We're going to come back together. Normally, we end a Sunday by coming together and hearing what you talked about. I want to begin this sermon and conversation hearing what came up in your groups. What are you overwhelmed with? And you just want to share it with, you know, a hundred of your closest friends. Anybody? Huh? Work. Work. Totally real. Anybody work? Work is what you're overwhelmed with? Economic insecurity. You just got way too much money in LA. Like, I don't even know what to do with all these private jets. Woo! Got too much Malibu in my life. Others? Yeah, what'd you hear? Uh, I think I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed with like depression management. Just like hmm. getting past the like uh, kind of like churchy feel of looking at the you know Christian all the time. You know, hmm. Yeah, no, I know that. Anybody used to have a church where you have to show up and you have to look a certain way, sound a certain way, sound like the Apostle Paul or something like that? You're like, man, you're, why are you quoting Bible verses like that? I'm just trying to ask you if you went to McDonald's this morning or not. Like, right? Like, just relax. Yeah. Practicing sin management all of the time. You have to be perfect even though you're not perfect. And they're like, God's grace is free, but don't tell me about that. Yeah, we know all that. Yeah. That's, that's real. You don't have to be that. You can just be whoever you want to be here. Others, what are you overwhelmed by? Yeah, uh, that was a lot of layers there. I like that, yeah. From family stuff to, wait, there's all these other voices that I have in my head all the way from back here, maybe even from childhood, even from family, and that impacts the way that I live today, and I have limiting voices of who I am and what's going on, and there's just narratives on repeat in my head. Anybody else? Yeah. So one of the things that I love about doing this when we get a name, why we're overwhelmed, is so often the greatest gift that I get as a pastor when I sit down with people over a coffee or a beer and just hearing what life is, is just getting to look into your eyes and tell you, that is so normal. I got to hear a hundred of those this year. And sometimes you just need to hear that. You're not alone. This is a human thing that other people go through as well. And sometimes one of the most difficult areas of oppression of our lives is believing that we're all alone, that no one has ever gone through this before, and that you're isolated. And sometimes when you just get to say it aloud, you're like, I'm not the only one who's broke in L.A. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not the only one who's just got family trauma. I'm not the only one with limiting voices and narratives in my head that I can't do it. I'm not the only one scared. I'm not the only one pretending or wearing a mask trying to be somebody who I'm not. I'm not the only one still figuring it out. And the good news of Jesus is that Jesus is aware of the things that we're overwhelmed with, and Jesus is aware of oppression. Jesus' whole life in ministry was under a system of oppression, and Jesus is coming not to fight all of those external systems, but Jesus is coming to give us peace of mind in our internal reality. But peace of mind is easy to say and very difficult to practice and to live. But if we're going to talk about peace of mind, we've got to talk about some things. So we're going to talk about 
Pax Romana. If we can talk about Pax Romana, then we're going to talk about that Rome is everywhere. If we can talk about that Rome is everywhere, then we're going to get reacquainted with Jesus. If we can get reacquainted with Jesus, then we've got to familiarize ourselves with some things. If we can do that, then we're going to surrender some outcomes. And if we can surrender some outcomes, then we'll be open to surprise. Follow along with me in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, which simply goes like this. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Mark is the first gospel to be written. These are the first words that are going to go out there for the early church to understand who Jesus is. And these opening lines are there for a reason. Because sometimes what we forget is that Jesus was born into, lived in an empire of oppression. The Roman world was exactly that. It was the Roman world. And everybody was under the thumb of the Roman empire, particularly the Jews. They understood that if they gave in to the Roman world, they were giving up themselves. They were giving up their God. They were giving up their culture. They were giving up their values. Everywhere they looked, it was Rome. And it was always on their mind. They were overwhelmed by what Rome was. They were waiting for a day in which God would come and miraculously save them from Rome. God, if you can just deal with Rome, then the rest of my life is going to be okay. Rome was just everywhere. And you all have a Rome. Maybe it's your family. Wherever you look, whatever conversation you go to, Rome is just everywhere. My brothers and sisters in the house who've been in addiction or recovering from addiction, you know what that's like. Where you might be looking one way on the outside, but inside, Rome is everywhere. You know what it's like to be under the oppression of the economics of Rome, of am I ever going to make it out of this thing? I'm scared. Can I survive? Am I going to have to move back to Ohio? Because no one wants to move back to Ohio. Like, God, how can I make it here in Los Angeles? Rome is everywhere, that Jesus lived in a world of systematic oppression, and he knew that his people wanted to be relieved from that oppression. And so the message of Jesus was not a message to come in and conquer this Roman Empire, because God understands that empires and oppression are always going to be there. What Jesus came to do is to give us a new way of seeing and believing and perspective and mindset and heart change in the world to deal with the Romes of our life. And so this verse starts like this for a reason. This is the beginning of the good news. And everybody in the ancient world, their ears would have perked up because they all heard of good news before and they didn't hear good news from Jesus. The first time that they heard good news is they heard this word euangelion. Say euangelion with me. Saved you an MDiv and $80,000 of theological debt. You are welcome. Euangelion just means the gospel. The first time they ever heard of gospel was from Caesar Augustus. Because when Caesar Augustus would come into a town, the euangelion would be spread that Caesar has come and now you all have peace. Because sometimes the empires and the oppression that we live in, they give us a false sense of peace. If you would just look this way and wear this mask, this is, you're going to fit in and then you're going to have peace. And then we did it in that church for that many years and we tried fitting in and it didn't give us peace at all. Man, if you can just make this much money, then you're going to be generous, then you're going to be okay, and it's all going to work out for you. And then you make that much money, you're like, man, if only I had $12,000 more. And you didn't find that peace. Man, if I can just deal with my relational issues and my mom, because my mom is in my head a lot, and then you have that conversation with your therapist and with your mom, and you finally have it figured out, and you realize, oh, you needed a mom when you were six years old, not now. 
There's all kinds of versions of this story where Rome is everywhere. And Jesus is aware of this. In in Jesus' day, Caesar was promoting this version of peace that Rome will bring you peace. If you just buy into this, then you're going to be okay. And nobody was okay because any system of oppression, whether it's internal, limiting voices, whether it's a system of oppression of addiction, whether it's a system of oppression that capitalism is going to win out for you, it's just the world we live in, by the way, because you ain't going to pay rent with hugs, so I'll tell you that, so you got to live within it, Right? Whatever the system of oppression is, that's never the thing that's going to solve something for you. And where we spend most of our time is, if I can just fix these external problems, then my life is going to be okay. And Jesus comes along and says, what if your job is not to fix all of Rome? What if your job is just to have a different mindset and perspective about how you live within Rome? And maybe you're going to see it in a different way. It's not going to have power over you anymore. And Jesus spends his whole ministry doing this. And so Jesus confronts the gospel that's out there at that time. So everybody in the ancient world would hear, oh, there's a different gospel for me to live by now. There's a different good news for me to live by now. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ. Christ was another word that every Jew would have perked up their ears because they were waiting on a new Messiah. They were waiting on something called the day of the Lord when God would come back and free them, just like God freed them from Egypt thousands of years before that. And if God can come back and free us, then we're going to be okay now and everything is going to be all right. Jesus knows this and says, what if I offer you a different kind of kingdom? Even the Pharisees come to Jesus one day and say, where is this kingdom you speak of? And Jesus says, this kingdom is within you. You keep wanting to change all of the external kingdoms. And I get it. I get their systematic kingdoms that are just not right. They're not fair. They don't make sense. They're hurting people. And Jesus says, what if you can't change all of that? What if all you can change is yourself and that's how you're going to disrupt the system? That's how you're going to revolutionize the world. And so Jesus offers a different kingdom and a different perspective. And then it says that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And they had heard Son of God before as well. That the first Son of God in the ancient world wasn't Jesus. The first Son of God was Caesar Augustus. That Caesar Augustus was the son of Julius, or the nephew of Julius Caesar. And they thought that he was God because he was the Roman emperor. And so Caesar Augustus is the son of that God. And so there's this whole narrative that Jesus is stepping us into of saying, you have heard the empires of the world give you a narrative for how you should live. And the question that Jesus is always raising is, are these empires working out for you? Do you have peace of mind? Did that addiction serve you? Did more money serve you? Did the perfect relationship serve you? Did whatever it may be serve you? Maybe your internal perspective, when it changes, now you see your mom in a different way. Maybe now you see your partner in a different way. Maybe the money you have can make you content. Maybe you're grateful for life in a different way. These are the things that Jesus comes to do and to teach, to offer us a different kind of peace, a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of reality that we can live into. And so if we're gonna think about peace of mind and some practical ways to change that, I think part of what we need to do is that we need to reorient ourselves and get reacquainted with Jesus in a different way. Sometimes when I'm preparing sermons, I go through sermons like three different ways, and I got like three different sermons going on, and there's like different versions of wisdom that I want to go with, and like, okay, one of those versions was like, okay, we need to get clarity on what we want, if we can get clarity on what we want, if we can bring people into that and get some therapists and get some coaching around that, if we can do that and get the right people around us and we'll get new clarity, then if we have that clarity and what we want, then we can go accomplish the dreams that we have. That was one version of the sermon, I just saved you 30 minutes, you're welcome. (laughs) But the other version of the sermon that I kept coming back to is like, 
yeah, that's actually really, really good wisdom. And there's plenty of TED Talks out there for you, and we've talked plenty about that in the church, and you should do all of those things. Like, you should really go get therapy. If you're stuck, coaching is an amazing gift. If you're, like, isolated in your voices, like, find community. Do all of that. But the other part of it is, this is the gospel of Jesus. Jesus is good news. Jesus has a radically different way for you to live. And I think sometimes in a progressive world, because we've been hurt by so many things, we want to let everything go, but I hope you don't let a way of Jesus go. Even if you're like, ah, I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus, historically true, whatever, great, all that stuff. But is there a way of Jesus that Jesus is offering you that can work for your life? Because if you can find something that works for your life and brings you peace, go practice that thing. Go follow that thing. And I think that's what Jesus invites us into. That's the wisdom that I'm always looking for. And the first thing that I want to be reoriented with Jesus is just refamiliarizing myself with Jesus. Refamiliarizing myself with the teachings and the life and the death and the resurrection of who Jesus is. Because when I refamiliarize myself with it, I'm like, oh, this is just the human journey. I'm here. I have all of these versions of enemies in my head and people that I hate and things that aren't working out for me. And Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. And when I read these stories, Jesus says, oh, pick that person that you don't like, that person that you hate so much, that person that you couldn't even imagine could be made in the image of God. And let me tell you a story about the Good Samaritan. Let me reorient your way of seeing humanity in the world. Oh, you think that you got so much going on and that no one else gets that, and you're just buried in shame, and you're buried in guilt, and you're buried in pain. Uh, let me tell you about a story of a woman actually caught in the act of adultery, and that God could stand in front of you and say, man, all those other voices of judgment in your head are other people. I'm here for you, and they're not going to throw a stone. When I refamiliarize myself with the life and the teachings of Jesus, I'm like, oh, this is the way that I want to live. Have you ever just been betrayed by a friend? Judas, baby, right? Have you ever felt like the system of oppression is too much for you to handle? That your very existence, that the very color of your skin, that your very gender, that the system is trying to destroy you? It's the cross. That all of these narrative points, whether individual or corporate, are found in the life of Jesus. And sometimes in this progressive world that we live in, I think we just need to refamiliarize ourselves with who Jesus is. That Jesus offers us a way and a path that we can understand and connect with and so some of what I'm saying is like, what if you started reading the Bible again, church? Like, not all of it, because Joshua is crazy. Like, read Mark, read Matthew, read Luke, sometimes John. John gets a little funky, like a little psilocybin if you're going to read John. Uh, and refamiliarize with these stories. And because sometimes I think when we read them, then we come back to this wisdom like, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, my gosh, I'm in an overwhelming circumstance that I don't know how to deal with. Oh, Jesus can calm that storm, too. Oh, maybe it's not going to be calmed in the way that I think. Maybe it's not going to calm in all the ways that I can control. But what if there's a God out there who wants to be a part of my life? I think sometimes we come to church and we gain all this new wisdom and we should utilize that new wisdom. And sometimes I think what we forget about is we talk so much about God, we talk so much about Jesus that we forget the ability to practice and have a relationship and connect and experience and encounter. And that's the thing that I'm interested in doing here. And my hope is that we can refamiliarize ourselves with Jesus, that when we refamiliarize ourselves with Jesus, then we connect to something bigger than ourselves. And that actually gives us a peace of mind. Because I know this for my life. I wasn't going to share this story, but it's here in my head. When I started New Abbey, like, I think I made like $1,000 a month, by the way, killing it. Um, and my wife had a really good job, and we were tithing, like, basically most of that. And I'm like, okay, now we're really killing it. So I'm like, I got to go, like, figure some things out to do because it was, like, a church of, like, 10 people, you know. 
Like, I just had time. Um, and I go start this painting company. And I start making more and more and more money. And now I have like a wildly successful company, right? And I think what I realized in it is I always would just think to myself, if I just got this much money, I'll be satisfied. And I'm not. I'm not content. I'm not content when I just think that there's more out there for me. I'm not content when there's greed in my life. I'm content when I live over here and say, I can be satisfied with the life that I have. And what shows me that I can be satisfied with the life that I have is when I familiarize myself with the life of Jesus. There's something about Jesus that I connect with where I see and touch and feel this larger universal God that I can't even comprehend like James Webb Telescope. How are we like one of 100 billion galaxies and there's 100 billion stars and 100 billion planets in each of these galaxies and that's to the umpteenth power. Like I can't even handle that. But what I need is something personal and experiential that I can encounter in my life and I find that in the life of Jesus to say, I'm just being greedy. And what I want to be is content. And I want to be satisfied. And I want to know that even when people betray me, I'm going to be okay. Because people are going to betray me. And how do we re-familiar ourselves with the life of Jesus in a new way? If we can do that, then I think that we can begin to practice some things that Jesus models for us. And one of those things is surrender the outcomes. Surrendering the outcomes is brutal for me. Surrendering the outcomes of how do I let go of my ability to control everything? How do I let go of my ability to think that I have it all figured out? And I have tried to figure it all out with the best ways, and I've tried to blow up my life successfully many a times in my marriage and my relationships and everything else. I'm a recovering addict for a reason. And surrendering the outcomes is something that I constantly see in the life of Jesus that I need. I love this idea that Jesus didn't come to die for you and suffer for you. Jesus came to die and suffer with you. Jesus came to show and model you a way of suffering which you can surrender the outcomes that even when Rome is everywhere, even when that's the only thing that you can think about, even when economic insecurity, even when that family member, even when that addiction, even when having to put a mask on is all that you can think about, what is it like when you finally get to the point where you can die to that thing and you can surrender yourself to that reality of what if I can't control and get myself out of this thing? I need the life of Jesus for that. I need the story of the cross for that. I need a different type of good news for that. And I need to know that it's worked for billions of people over thousands of years. And it has, as people have followed this different way. I have a friend about a year ago, his ex-wife and her husband took his son and they moved to Tennessee. And that was just you know, a deal that they worked out and at first he thought like this is gonna be okay. And about a month ago he came back to me and he's like, I can't do it. I can't be away from my son this long. I'm gonna give up everything. I'm gonna go move to Tennessee. And he's like, and everybody thinks I'm crazy because this dude has like a wildly successful business here in Los Angeles. Like he made it. He did the thing that he set out to do. He left all those things, came out here, built the thing. Something happened that he couldn't control. His ex-wife took his son to another state. He's got two daughters here as well. He has to uproot their lives. He has no idea what the business is gonna be out there. But he says, I have to surrender all of that because my son's gonna be 18 in five years and every day that I miss with him is everything to me. And when he said it to me, am I crazy? I'm like, you're not crazy at all. That's exactly what I would do. If one of my kids was in another state, see ya. There's nothing bigger to me than that. And I think Jesus shows us these bigger values of what we can get behind and be a part of. 
And sometimes it's not the solution that we want because he went through all of the other solutions. How do I lawyer up and do the things and get into a fight with her and do whatever and create more resentments? And we've been through all that before. And he said, no, I'm going to surrender to all of it. I'm going to follow a path of Jesus. I'm going to take on a cross that I don't want to take on. I'm going to take a system on that I didn't agree to. And I'm going to give everything up. I'm going to go move there for my kid and figure it out there because every day that I miss with him is a day lost. Man, what a powerful way to live. And that's how I want to live. I want to live to my truest values. Sometimes I just want to quit the job because it's a shit job in the library at the school that I don't want to work at. Because this is my life. And I don't get that day back. So how do I surrender to some things so I can actually go live freely? Man, I want to take another drink, but instead on this cruise ship, I'm going to go to an AA meeting. I'm going to take my first step towards freedom. Because I've been trying to care for myself over here, and instead I've just been coping, and it hasn't worked out for me. But 10 years later, I can get back on a ship, and I can reclaim what was lost, and I can live freely in a different way. Man, that's a life that I want, a life of surrender. So if we can refamiliarize ourselves with Jesus and this way of Jesus, if we can begin to surrender some outcomes in a different way, then I think that we can begin to be open to surprise. What I love about the life of Jesus and surrendering to the cross, surrendering to the Roman Empire, surrendering to the fact that Rome is everywhere, is that we always get a story of resurrection. It's the most powerful part of our narrative. That even when you thought that all was lost, it hasn't been. And how do you know that? Because you're here today. That's what you know. You never have to argue any other fact. You are here today, which is a gift of God, which is an opportunity for surprise. And even though Rome might be everywhere, even though you don't have it all figured out yet, even though your life is not perfect yet, even though it's not all working in the exact way that you want to, you are here today. And if you are here today, then God has another opportunity to surprise you again. Because that's the story of the resurrection. When Jesus comes out of that tomb, Pontius Pilate is still Pontius Pilate, Caesar is still Caesar, Judas was still a jackass, and all of his friends still left him, right? But Jesus comes out with the same scars that he went in with, but a different perspective for the world. The colors didn't change. Jesus showed us a way of transformation that was change. Jesus didn't transmit the pain of the world, Jesus transformed it. And that's what we want. What if your job is not to defeat Rome? What if your job is only to transform yourself? And what if Rome loses all of its power? What if the, someone doesn't give $200,000 and it sucks and it all fails? We've all been there, right? And then you lose that job and you lose that thing and the next day, you're still Jaime. And that's the gift of what we live into is that resurrection is always possible. Would we cling on and familiarize ourselves with the life of Jesus that could actually work for us and bring us peace? Could we surrender some outcomes in our lives and realize that we can't control everything and maybe in the letting go, in the freedom of that, we might see life in a new way. And we would be open to surprise that God has something new for us, maybe that we can't even imagine. And how do we know that? Because we're here today. And if we're here today, and if that hope doesn't blow your mind, then maybe what else could God be doing in your life? May we practice that as a community, where we live into that in a new way, and we be there for one another. You find those same three or four people around you and answer this question. How can you reacquaint with Jesus? Enjoy. Enjoy.